It's not so much that you can just say, I'm gonna quit drinking. You have to reevaluate your coping mechanisms and build this foundation that can overcome even the smallest mundane things that pop up in your life. Hello and welcome to this episode of Overcoming Anxiety with Dawn Morgan. Good afternoon, good evening or good morning to you all. Today I've got a guest with me. Molly is an ICF certified life coach. She has a degree in psychology and has created the Alcohol Free Foundations program. That's a bit of a mouthful, but I'll get there. For um, middle-aged working mums that are ready to take back their reins on their lives and who are open to new ways of achieving their real results, but need a little bit of help along the way. Her program provides women with a level of confidence that will allow them to say goodbye to the control alcohol has over their lives, giving them back their time, energy, and freedom to be their true authentic self. Welcome to the show, Molly. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Dawn. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, this show is all about overcoming anxiety, and we all have stories because we've all experienced anxiety at some point in our lives. So would you like to share your journey to where you are now, you know, why you're helping with women with this particular problem? And, um, and yeah, let's just hear your story. Yeah. So it's always interesting when I get asked to tell my story. I never know what parts of it will be the most helpful to your listeners. Um, I feel like I'm an open book and um, I've gotten to the point where I know that my story is going to touch somebody. Um, So I'm just an average gal. Um, I'm a single mom. I have two boys. And for many years of my adult life, I was a very heavy drinker. Um, I was drinking alcohol every day mm-hmm. um, to just cope with day to day. Our culture tells us as a mom, you know, especially a working mom. Um, so we have multiple hats that we get to wear. We get to be mom and um, a provider for the family Um, We take care of the home, all of these things, and it becomes stressful and it seems a little overwhelming at times. And our culture tells us that's normal. That's okay. Here, have a glass of wine, have a beer, have a drink. You deserve it. This is going to make you feel better. And before you know it, um, that one glass of wine or beer or whatever it is becomes several And it becomes a crutch and it becomes your go-to for, you know, um, coping with everything that comes up. So throughout our days, you know, we may have these tiny little, what I call micro stressors and they add up through the day. So if you're not coping with them in a healthy way, you know, at the end of the day, you need something to, to chill out and relax. So I, I, I was doing that for many years. My kids were little, um, you know, I was, I was always with them, always home, um, spending time with them. But there was this gal that lived across the street from me and, um, she did not drink. She never drank. She was very active in her church and her and her kids were always out doing things, um, things with the church, playing volleyball, going to the movies, you know, doing all sorts of fun things. And 
I always wondered what, what is that like? What would that be like to be able to just take my kids and go do things and commit to that? Because I was so consumed with alcohol every day that, you know, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to drive, you know? Yeah. Um, but that habit, so, the, the habit of alcohol is at, at the end of the day, as you say, it's a cultural thing, isn't it? And then when we, when we link that relaxation with the glass of wine or the glass of beer or whatever, whatever is chosen, that our mind links that, um, links those two things, the relaxation with the alcohol. And therefore for me to finish my day, it's almost like a, a draw the line on the day or draw the line on the stress or that is, that's the marker in my life where that's the end of the, the stress, the day, the working day that I don't know, kids are in bed, whatever it is, whatever that marker is. And alcohol is associated with that. And what starts as a really harmless glass of wine suddenly sort of builds up to be not so harmless anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're developing a very unhealthy habit and coping mechanism. Yeah. And interestingly enough, while one glass physically does, you know, make you feel relaxed in the background, chemically speaking, it's actually creating more anxiety for you. So it's the waking up at three o'clock in the morning and just feeling terror for the next day. Like, am I going to be able to push through work? Am I going to be a complete bitch to my kids in the morning because I have this raging hangover or headache? Um, how am I going to fulfill my responsibilities at work. I have a presentation I forgot about because I was too caught up in drinking or, you know, all of these things, they start to build and compound upon each other. So yeah, you're developing um, this, this unhealthy relationship with coping and alcohol and it becomes second nature. It becomes so natural. And so this is just what I do every day. This is normal. Everybody's doing it. You know, it's all over social media. Um, you can't even go to, we have like trunk or treat. Um, it's supposed to be like a, a safe place for kids to go trick or treating at Halloween. But, you know, now they're advertising, you know, moms bring, bring your own wine, bring your own wine. So your kids can walk around and trunk or treat and you can, stand over with the other moms and, yeah. and relax with your wine. I mean, it's, it's embedded in our culture and um, it's no wonder there's so many women that are suffering. You yeah. Know? I mean, the embedding I, in the culture is quite interesting because I live in Spain now and cause wine is a big thing over here and everybody drinks wine and I don't drink wine. It's just something that, you know, I do drink alcohol, but I don't drink wine. And so many people say, well, you know, that it's like almost unbelievable for a lot of people to say, well, what do you mean you don't drink wine? Why don't you drink wine? Well, it gives me a headache, so I don't drink it. Well, don't you miss it? Well, no, it's just, you know, I just don't drink it. Um, but again, it's that culture, that idea that, well, everyone drinks wine, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and you kind of feel like there's something wrong with you because yeah. you're not. I know. I find myself sort of apologizing because I don't yes. want to drink a wine, because I don't want a glass of wine. And, and it's that sort of 
it becomes a bit a burden on me because I don't drink it. And um, when you know there is no burden really, it's just this sort of society expectation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot too. Um, I went to my brother's wedding a month ago and um, went up to the bar and ordered a coke. And the bartender gives me this weird look like, okay, what else do you want? Like whiskey in it? Or I'm like, no, I just want a Coke. And they just, it's almost like they don't know how to interact with you because everybody else around me is drinking and it, it kind of brings a sense of uncomfortableness. Um, I was talking to another gentleman yesterday and I said, you know, it's, it's more like you don't want to make it about yourself, you know. You know, I just don't drink. I just don't like it. Um, it does awful things to me. It destroyed my life. I could go yeah. on and on about it, but you know, that's not that's not what it's about because then it begins to pull people out of their comfort zone when they're they're holding their wine or their brandy or whatever it is, you know. And then they're like, "Oh, well, I don't really drink very often," and they want to. They want to tell you, you know, I don't have a problem. And, you know, it's like, I didn't ask, you know. No, 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 no. I know. I know. And and quite often I'll just order water when I go out, you know, and I do get a lot of strange looks. But but anyway, tell us, tell us how you, your journey. Yeah. So, um, like I said, that neighbor, she always, it was something that was kind of in the back of my mind, yeah. but at the same time. It was so normal and such a part of my everyday life that I didn't really ever get to the point where I was like, hey, maybe you're drinking too much. I just kept going and going and it would get worse and worse. And before I knew it, you know, Saturday rolls around and it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm starting to drink because what else am I going to do? It's Saturday. I deserve it. You know, I had a long week. Um And then, um, my work got really flexible with working from home. And there were times that I would start drinking after a call at like noon or something. So I'm here on these, these teams meetings at work and I've got my, my beer off to the side so people can't see. And, you know, I'm, I'm half buzzed. I'm sometimes I was drunk and I'm having conversations with people that I work with. And I mean, it was, it was just getting really, really out of control. Um, and then I went through, I went through a divorce and, um, it wasn't, it wasn't messy or, um, traumatic by any means, but the summer after I got divorced, um, that's when it got really bad. Um, so I have two boys. One of them, um, is from a previous father, previous relationship. So he's always with me, but my youngest would, um, go to his dad's and I found myself, um, you know, feeling pretty lonely, you know, I didn't have somebody here. So I tried the whole dating app experience which <laughs> wow <laughs> i don't wish that on anybody it's that's awful. enough to drive anyone to um, drink, really isn't it <laughs> yes and 
every single day is at a bar where you're drinking. I mean, that's just, that's just expected. Um, so I went on a few dates and dates, if you call them, and it was just drinking, um, and meeting people at a bar, um, you know, getting in cars with strangers, finding strange men in my house the next day, like it was getting really bad. And I got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I I was going to end my life because I felt it was so out of control and depressing and lonely. And I just didn't feel like there was any hope for me. And was that something, that realization, was that something that sort of crept up on you or was it just one of those mornings where you thought, hey, this has got to stop? um, Well, so I'll tell you what happened. Um, It had been a weekend binge, essentially. So Friday all the way through Sunday. Um, So I would wake up with a hangover and chase it with a beer and start all over again. And so this was kind of like a three day with some sleep, constant drinking episode. And I did go so far as to drive myself to a secluded area with a loaded gun and wanted to end my life. Oh, wow. And as I'm sitting there in this secluded area, like I'm visualizing the scene of you know, my kids are going to see this, the police would see this. And then my phone begins to ring and I look down and it's my son. He's calling me and I'm obviously very intoxicated and I'm crying. I'm very emotional. And he, he tells me, you know, I love you, mom, please come home. Please just come be with me. And that was the moment that I knew, I knew I needed some help. I needed to quit. And I knew that this was not going in the direction that I had envisioned for myself. And it was almost like, how the hell did I get this bad? You know, it's not, it's not something, at least for me, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was a, it was a gradual progression to a very dark place. And so I went home And I immediately called my mom. My mom lives in another state. And I called her and told her and I said, I need you to come be with me. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I need to go to rehab or what, but I just need somebody to come here and be with me. And so she flew out and stayed with me for a couple of weeks. My my boss was amazing and let me take a... um, here in the States, I don't know if you have it there in Spain, but it's, it's kind of like an insurance that allows you to take, um, long-term disability and it includes like a mental health coverage. So I was able to take seven weeks off of work and just focus on me and focus on getting better. And, um, I started with Alcoholics Anonymous because I didn't know didn't know there were coaches or anything like this going on back then. Um, so, um, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous every day for about three months, got sober. And, um, the first year was actually relatively easy. Um, COVID was 
COVID hit like about six months after I got sober. And I know for a lot of people, I mean, you can see the numbers online. Um, the alcohol sales like just Absolutely. went up with COVID. Like well, insane. For similar to what you were explaining uh, just now, where, you know, what else is there to do? You know, and you get into that habit. Well, I don't need to get in a car and drive to work. I don't need to get in a car and go and do grocery shopping or go out for the day. So let's have a drink early or let's, you know, and it's right. it's, it's habitual, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and along yeah. with, with the whole sort of stress, anxiety, depression that came upon us, because let's face it, the social media was telling us and the, and the news outlets were telling us we were all going to get depressed and anxious because we were doing this lock lockdown thing uh, yeah. and people believed it so they were trying to do the escape thing which is what alcohol is yeah yeah I mean it I was a highly anxious person because of the drinking yeah it created this unnecessary depression and anxiety every single morning just I mean, I had physical shakes. I was sweating. I was just nervous about just existing. And um, a lot of it had to do with the amount of alcohol that I was drinking and drinking it every day. Um, so like I said, the first year was pretty easy. I mean, for me, um, not being able to go anywhere was like my saving grace. You know, I wasn't around anybody that was drinking. I wasn't interested in going anywhere. I mean, the the sheer terror of COVID. I mean, it was a real thing. It impacted me in such a way. I was subscribing to news outlets and I was watching the numbers rise every day and it it just consumed me. And so I I stayed my ass in the house and I did not go anywhere <laughs> and I did not let unknown people into my house. And, you know, I mean, looking back, it was, it was pretty extreme and a little dramatic, but, um, it saved my life because I was able to stay sober for a year. Um, and the second year, um, I realized because I had relapsed the second year and it, it helped me realize that I didn't have the foundational structure I needed to stay sober. Yes, I got sober, but I needed tools and strategies and new habits and coping mechanisms to deal with real life, everyday, small, mundane little things that creep up and were causing me to drink. So that's what made me want to become a coach and help other women who want to get sober it's not so much that you can just say, I'm going to quit drinking. You have to reevaluate um, your coping mechanisms and build this foundation that can overcome even the smallest mundane things that pop up in your life. And yeah, so that's yeah. what. Yeah, our, our, our unconscious minds love what's familiar, don't they? So what happens is whenever anything unexpected crops up, we we sort of bounce into, and, and a lot of the time this is unconscious, it's not a conscious choice. We just go to what is familiar, we go back to those old habits, we find comfort where we found comfort before, you know, that whole sort of feel good factor, whatever it might be, you know, 
um, eating is another one. Yes, alcohol is one. Yeah. Drugs is another. Whatever it is, it's that comfort zone. And whenever life feels a little bit too difficult, there is a tendency for our, you know, our unconscious minds to say, "Hey, come on, let's get you back in your comfort zone. Let's put you back where it's all nice and warm and cozy." And quite often, that nice and warm and cozy place is not actually doing us a great deal of good. Absolutely, you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it yeah. happens to so many people, and it's not just with addictions. It's with just unhelpful habits, unhelpful beliefs, limiting beliefs even. You know, people just slide back in there. And if you're not aware of it, you know, that can really get you. You can find yourself back where you started without um, yeah. without really knowing that's where you're heading. So, yeah, coping mechanisms yeah. are great. Yeah, I love that you bring up the awareness. Awareness is such a powerful tool. Um, There's this really interesting story that I read the other day about, so in Japan, you know, they have the bullet trains and they were having a lot of accidents on the platforms. So they implemented this new system called point and what was it called? And it's like point and call out. So essentially the workers on the platform, if the light turns green, they point and they say green, or if they need people to stand back, they say train approaching, stand back. And so it's interesting because it brought more awareness to not only the workers that are trying to keep the people safe, but the people there too. And the amount of accidents that happened after they implemented this new system went down tremendously. Yeah. So I tell my clients all the time, just being aware of it. And sometimes, so I'll say, okay, when you feel like you're getting a little upset or stressed out, it could be the smallest thing. Like, you know, maybe, so I have a baby kitten and he loves to get up on the counter and he'll spill something. And, you know, that could that can really cause you to get upset. You're like, oh, damn it. Now you got to clean it up. And even that, just calling it out. Okay, this is upsetting me, but I'm okay. Yes. So bringing awareness to it. And you can have these little conversations with yourself in the simple awareness of, okay, this upset me, but I am okay. Is It's so powerful. So it is. Powerful. No, absolutely. And the reason that's powerful is because by talking to yourself, your unconscious mind is constantly listening. So if you're it's if you're talking to yourself in that way to say, okay, this is upsetting, but I'm fine. There's no danger because your your mind is always looking for danger, for things that are gonna upset you or annoy you or cause you some sort of stress. So if we're essentially talking to ourselves and talking to our subconscious mind and saying, It's okay, that's fine, you don't need to react, you don't need to fire off all those chemicals in my body because it's a it's a danger you don't need to fire off the fear response i don't need to do anything and i'm re um reprogramming these automatic response mechanisms in my mind and that's exactly that self-talk is incredibly powerful so i wish more people would do it yeah absolutely yeah i love it um i found myself So I grew up, my mom was a very, very clean, tidy person. The house was always clean. Um, So naturally I developed that as well. You know, when people are coming over, it's like, all right, we're cleaning the floorboards. We're 
dusting off like unnecessary stuff. And, and it would cause me a lot of stress. Yeah. And so over time, as I'm developing this self-awareness, um, I just let it go. You yeah. know, it's not even worth it. First of all, nobody is looking at your house in like these detailed manners. So why, why create this unnecessary stress for yourself? And so I, I find myself slowly letting things slide, things that really aren't that important and yeah. can just add to your stress. So if it's unnecessary stress, especially when you're creating it yourself, let it go. Just let it go. No, I get you there. I was a single parent for many years. My children are growing up now, but I was the same thing when I first um, became a single parent with three young children. I was working full time. You know, I had all the school stuff and all the homework and the, you know, bathing and bedtime routines and all this. And at one point I thought something's got to give. I'm trying to keep this house completely organized and everything in its place and cleaning this and cleaning that, but I'm exhausted something's got to give and again it was that 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 sort of expectation those rules i had around these things and i had one client actually a a couple of years ago now was really stressed because she hadn't um mopped her floor after dinner one evening and i saw her the following day and she was really stressed out about it and i said so who says you've got to mop the floor she will i do i said so what you're doing is you haven't complied with the rule that you made up and because you didn't comply with your rule you're giving yourself a hard time about breaking the rule that was made up in the first place and you know and the light bulb moment went on but we all do it don't we 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 have yes. these horrible expectations on ourselves that you know we we're going to do this or this is the best way of doing things or you know what will people think if i don't mop my floor after dinner or if i don't make the beds in the morning or you know and most right. of the time they're never even going to see that you haven't made the beds you know right who cares right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i know yeah it's interesting the values and expectations that we inherit we don't even choose these it just falls into our lap and that's all we've ever known like start questioning that where did that come from why do i value that what should my expectations of myself be what kind of expectations or level do i want to hold myself to the standards that i have for myself you know you you get to create that all by yourself Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's amazing because what, you know, so many people, well, I mean, when we're growing up, we, we create all these beliefs and a lot of people talk about beliefs as in, you know, religious beliefs or, or, or whatever, but, you know, we have all these beliefs deep within us because of what we experienced or what we saw modeled or what we were told constantly. And when we were growing up as, as children and even teenagers and but even as adults, you know, if you're in a workplace where somebody is constantly telling you you're no good at doing something, you start to believe that, even if you're not yeah. aware of it. So when I when I work with clients, quite often I'll say to them, um, well, what is it you believe around that? What is the belief that's driving that reaction, driving that response in the same way that your glass of wine? You know, what is the belief that's driving that? The belief is that at the end of the day, to relax, you need to have a glass of wine. Well, 
That's not true. That is, that is a rule that somebody's made up. It's only ever true if humans, every human needs to do it. So it's right. only a principle and it's only, it's only solid if every single human on the planet needs to do that thing. So whenever there is a choice, it's a made up rule. And that's the way I like yep. to see it. Yeah. I love that. I like looking at it that way. Whenever there's a choice, it's a made up rule. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. So we can change it. We can choose to do something or not. Um, so yes, it is very powerful. So how do you help people then just so that the listeners can, can see and understand what it is you do. And we'll put all your details, um, at the bottom of this video or in the show notes, uh, so they can. Sure. Um, yeah. So, um, I am a sober coach and it's, it's funny because very little, of what, what we focus on is the actual sobriety piece. Um, and the reason for that is my clients have been drinking for a long time and it's become a habit and it's become all they know. They have lost interests. Um, they don't have very many hobbies. Um, they're not getting themselves out there meeting new people. Um, so that's really the basis of what we do is getting them to getting them to recognize themselves again. Yeah. Um, and what happens there, it's pretty magical. What happens is when they develop these new habits and coping mechanisms, they, they begin to really think about their future and they can get really creative in what they want. And when they start not chasing, but they begin to be pulled into this vision that they've created, the drinking part just magically disappears yeah. and they're not thinking about it anymore because there's so much more out there and so much more important things for them to do yeah. and to accomplish. The fulfillment piece is huge because there's no fulfillment in their life right now. The alcohol is not filling anything. It's, it's creating a bigger void in their life. And, and so I use a lot of interesting tools. Um, I, I make sure that all of my clients are very open-minded um, because there's, there's some really cool things that we can utilize to pull them out of their stuckness yeah. and get really creative and fascinated and almost obsessed with themselves. And it's, it's the coolest, most awe-inspiring experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, we work on who they are at a foundational level. Yeah. We look at things like uh, personality results. We dig into their astrological natal chart. All right. And see yeah. what sorts of predispositions may be lurking there. Um, it helps. I spend about eight hours before I even talk to my clients on getting to know them at a core level so that our first call is more productive than a typical three week process. Yeah. You know, I want to be as productive and fast forward thinking as possible with them. Um, 
And I mean, I haven't had a single client that is like, okay, this is bullshit. I don't want to do this. Um, it's, it's very inspiring. And, um, so after we get to the foundational level, it really, it really is up to them to what their toolbox looks like. So we build a toolbox for, um, coping mechanisms, fighting the urges, you know, what to do when, you know, somebody that's working from me, like has this blow up at work or this dickhead on the highway cuts me off in 80 mile an hour traffic, um, things like that. So we're working on what works for them and they get to pick that. So it becomes personal to them and it's, it's much more powerful than me telling them, okay, I need you to learn breathing techniques. I need you to meditate every day. I need you to start a gratitude journal. So they pick what they do and it's, it's more empowering to them and um, powerful in their recovery. And it also lays the foundation for the rest of their life. You know, they can revisit their toolbox every six months or every year and say, okay, now what, you know, that worked great in my early sobriety. Now what I want to push myself a little harder. I want to expand my business or I want to travel to, um, you know, France or, you know, I want to get outside of my comfort zone. So that's what I do. And it's, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. And I love it. Do you find a lot a lot of people when they are in in a dark space or in a place a stuck state they struggle with the idea of losing who they are because if somebody is um consumed by alcohol or drugs or eating it it almost becomes their identity and the idea of letting that bit go you know, do you find that people sort of say, well, I don't really know who I am. That's really scary because this is who I am. I know I had one client who, who suffered badly with um, PTSD. And the first thing we had to do was identify that the PTSD wasn't her identity because she felt like it was. And the idea of, of even thinking about it diminishing was really scary because it was a case of, well, who am I without this? Yeah. Do you experience that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They are terrified. And rightfully so. I was terrified. I thought I was going to have to be locked away in some rehab center for three months without seeing my children. And I was just so scared. I it was this hurdle that was, oh my gosh, fear can be so crippling. And yeah, every single one of my clients deal with that. It's the most terrifying choice that they have to make. Do I want to have drinking and am I going to commit to this? Because the life on the other side is so unknown. What am I going to do with my time? Who am I going to be? Is anybody going to be my friend anymore? All of these questions. So it's a real thing. And it is, yeah, it is hard to overcome. 
Um, but it's kind of like ripping the bandaid off. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's almost like as soon as they say yes, it's all, it just disappears. Yeah. The uncertainty is still there, but the fear just, it kind of just disappears because they've made the choice and they've almost kind of like opened this door and stepped through it and closed it. And it's the key is gone and there's no turning back. And it forces them into this, this state of curiosity and willingness to try anything. Yeah. And it's, it's really powerful. And actually having someone like you to take them through that journey helps immensely because they're not on their own. There is, there is a program to follow. There is a, a proven technique you've gone through it yourself. You can show them the way and hold their hand all the way through. And I think that's really important. And that's where coaches come into their own because it is about I'm on this journey with you. I'm going to help you go through and I'm going to be here when you hit those bumps in the road. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I would have had a coach when I first got sober. Yeah. And so many or people, for anybody that's dealing with anything. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So many people say, yeah, but what's the value of a coach? Well, when you've had a coach, you know, the value of the coach, but yeah. it's sort of step. It's very difficult to show the value before somebody actually takes that step. But no, absolutely. So as I said, we're going to put all your details in, in the show notes and on the video, they'll be along the bottom. Um, so is what I what I like to ask my my podcast guest and uh, my show guests is if you had three things three pieces of advice that you would give anybody who is going through a challenge with alcohol, what would it be? Wow. That's really good. I would advise get curious, ask yourself, what benefit am I receiving from staying where I'm at and see what you come up with? See if you come up with anything. Yeah. I would advise do some research Find, obviously, um, research into somebody that can help you, a coach, somebody that you connect with. Yeah. Because if you don't connect with them, you're going to be miserable. It's going to feel like work and the success rate will be low. Yeah. So find a coach that resounds with you. Um, coaches by nature believe in you and will empower you and push you and hold you accountable to greater success than you could ever imagine for yourself. Absolutely. And I would say, believe that you are not alone. There are so many women and men that are struggling with alcohol. It is unreal. Yeah. Unreal. The numbers that I see it just breaks my heart because the media is winning. Our culture is winning and we are suffering and you are not alone. Yeah. And there is a lot of sober people out there and we all want to see you win. Yeah, absolutely. Very powerful. And, and of course, the thing is, you know, in so many areas of our lives at the moment, we are challenging a lot of things, but we're not challenging a whole lot of other things. You know, we seem to be sort of quite happy with things like alcohol and, you know, bad food choices and all the rest of it, but we're, we're crushing a whole load of, of things 
that society puts upon us and you know maybe we should balance it out a little bit but uh yeah just uh, yeah yeah it's crazy crazy well molly it's been an absolute pleasure i'm so pleased you could join me today and uh, i'm going to post this in various places and you can as well so let's try and reach as many people as possible and help them with their their um, alcohol issues and um yeah so have a great day and um perfect thank you so much don thank take you care for, for listening to today's show please follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're available whilst you are there please also comment and review as it helps me and other listeners know what is good and what is not If you would like to get in touch, feel free to reach out to me via the contact details in my show notes or through Facebook at Finding Freedom Club.